Welcome to You News, the podcast, using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Tuesday, January 12th. I'm Carolina Sarasa, and these are today's headlines. A number of new domestic terror threats being revealed by the FBI as federal agencies continue rounding up those who got involved in storming the U.S. Capitol building. Meanwhile, President Trump facing a historic second impeachment as soon as tomorrow. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi also working to use the 25th Amendment to remove Trump from power after last week's fatal insurrection. And the nation's distribution of coronavirus vaccine being criticized by public health experts as the coronavirus crisis in Southern California grows worse. This and much more today on U News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin with this. The House is getting ready to impeach President Trump for the second time, a first in American history. This as federal authorities are warning about more potential uprisings ahead of Inauguration Day. Security preparations are now in full speed. Andrea Linares has the latest. With the Capitol and the country still reeling from last week's violence, an internal FBI bulletin warns armed protests are being planned in Washington, D.C. and at all 50 state capitals in the days leading up to inauguration. The bulletin also says the FBI is tracking threats to harm President-elect Joe Biden, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. They're saying this because they have intelligence that indicates this level of threat activity, and that is very concerning. I'm not afraid of taking you fast side. And we've been getting briefed, but I am. Uh, I think it's critically important that there be a real serious focus on holding those folks who engage in sedition and threaten people's lives, deface public property, cause great damage, that they be held accountable. Washington is now under an emergency declaration through January 24th. The mayor urging people to stay away. The inauguration poses several unprecedented challenges that exceed the scope of our traditional planning processes. In Michigan, a commission voted to ban the open carry of firearms inside the state capitol. In Wisconsin, workers boarded up the windows of the state legislative building. The National Guard plans to deploy up to 15,000 troops to Washington for the inauguration next week to guard against any violent attempt by pro-Trump mobs. About 6,000 troops from six states have already arrived. But in the midst of such heightened alert, Acting Homeland Security Secretary Chad Wolf has resigned. Wolf, who served in an acting capacity for 14 months, cited ongoing and meritless court rulings regarding the validity of my authority as acting secretary as the basis for his exit. FEMA Administrator Pete Gaynor will step into the role during these crucial days ahead. So far, local and federal authorities have arrested nearly 100 people who they say were involved in the assault on the U.S. Capitol. But more arrests are expected in the days ahead as investigators continue combing through evidence. The FBI says it has received more than 40,000 tips from the public. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News.
Thank you, Andrea, for that report. And now two House Democrats have tested positive for coronavirus. This after sheltering in place with other Congress members who were not wearing a mask during the attack on Capitol Hill. Congresswomen Bonnie Watson Coleman of New Jersey and Pramila Jayapal of Washington announced their positive results on Twitter this week. Jayapal tweeted that several Republicans refused to wear a mask and, quote, recklessly mocked colleagues and staff who were offering one to them. And the Washington Monument will close for visitors for more than two weeks. The National Park Service made the announcement Monday, citing threats from groups behind the Capitol riots to disrupt the inauguration. The Park Service said it may also close other areas within the National Mall and Memorial Parks if conditions weren't to protect public safety and park resources. And today we have more details about the delayed response by law enforcement to the deadly riot on Capitol Hill last week. Now calls for Washington, D.C. to become a state are gaining momentum. And joining me now to discuss this is Paul Strauss, his Washington, D.C.'s shadow senator. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Caroline. It's great to be with you. Likewise, talk to us about why Washington, D.C. should become a state and how last week factors into all that. Well, for many years, we've wanted to become a state because the citizens who live in Washington, D.C. don't have equality, don't have the same rights that other Americans do. D.C. residents can vote for me as a senator, but when I go to the Capitol, I can't vote for them on legislation. In the House of Representatives, we also have only non-voting representation, and that's unfair. But recently, the tragic events have made clear that Washington, D.C. becoming a state is necessary to protect the security of us and the government. We have only a mayor here and not a governor, but powers to call out the National Guard are vested only with the governors of the states. And because we don't have a governor, the ability to get the guard out was delayed, and that put a lot of people in jeopardy. Now, if Washington, D.C. were to become a state, how would that impact residents? Well, it would impact them positively. They would begin to enjoy full democracy, full freedom, and full participation in the national government. They'd also have greater sovereignty over their own local affairs. And that's really where statehood becomes so important. Not only could the mayor not call out the guard when we needed it, we couldn't stop the president from sending troops into the city when we didn't want them, when he used them to clear the square to take that picture now famously in front of the church with the Bible. Many people were hurt because because he irresponsibly used our troops. And so we don't want our security apparatus to be political. We want it to be designed to enhance the safety of residents and we want self-determination just like the people of the 50 states have. Now talking about that safety, the FBI and NYPD told Capitol Police about the possibility of violence before the riots. What more do we know about the failure of law enforcement to prevent this attack? Well, we know it was a significant failure. Uh, I've been going to the Capitol on behalf of D.C. residents since 1997. Uh, it is extremely well protected. The Capitol Police Force usually do a very good job. We have 4,000 officers to patrol all of Washington, D.C., and the United States Capitol Police Force has almost 2,000 officers just for that building and the few buildings surrounding it. There were plenty of officers who should have been around able to protect the Capitol, but for some reason, most of them did not seem to be where we needed them on that 
that day. Now, we need a real investigation to figure out what happened. I don't want to speculate uh, or spread misinformation, but clearly something went very, very wrong that day. And I'm very grateful to the local police department of Washington, D.C., for coming to the aid of the federal law enforcement officers. D.C. residents have been involved in protecting the Capitol and also cleaning it up and in dealing with the aftermath. And yet we're still denied democratic rights. And the worst part is for so many years, we were told that one of the reasons D.C. didn't have the rights of a state was to protect the Congress from some kind of mob that might come in and seek to disrupt the proceedings. Well, that happened without D.C. being a state. And in fact, our lack of states' right hampered our ability to do the job we needed to to protect it. Eventually, we cleared the protesters out, we stopped the riot, and we restored order. But we could have done more, we could have done it sooner, and we need to be able to respond quickly going forward. Now, the FBI is warning of planned attacks on the U.S. Capitol. What are you most concerned about in the next couple of days, Senator? Look, my favorite thing is to invite people to Washington to show them my beautiful community and to have them enjoy our nation's capital. But sadly, this time, we must ask that you stay away and you watch the inauguration virtually. Aside from the domestic terrorism threats, we have a coronavirus spike that's out of control, and this is just not a good time to visit Washington, D.C. But D.C. residents are well prepared to deal with what's coming. We frequently host all kinds of events. We are used to the kind of security and restrictions, and we are making the preparations necessary in order to host this event safely so that the peaceful transition of power probably the United States' greatest gift to the world, the demonstration of how power transfers peacefully from one administration to the next, can go forward. And we will make it go forward. I think we will have the ability to protect the president-elect, to protect the vice president-elect, but we want to make sure we focus those resources where we need them. And that's why it breaks my heart to ask people not to come for the inauguration this time, uh, but to plan a visit for another time. Well, thank you, Paul Strauss, Washington, D.C., Shadow Senator, for your time today. Thank you. And now to the latest on efforts to remove President Trump from office. Tonight, the House will vote on a resolution meant to pressure Vice President Mike Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment. The action sets the stage for a historic second impeachment vote in the House. Edwin Pitti has the latest from Washington, D.C. Edwin. Hi, Carolina. Tomorrow will be a week since a pro-Trump mob held a deadly riot on Capitol Hill, and now Democrats are ready to vote and impeach President Donald Trump for the second time. Tonight, the vote will vote on a resolution to put pressure on Vice President Mike Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment, but he has yet to decide if he will move forward with it. Pence had not spoken to President Trump since the riots last week, but yesterday he was spotted leaving the White House at night right after speaking with President Donald Trump. An article of impeachment has been formally introduced, and they want to charge the president with incitement of insurrection. Some Republican lawmakers are already calling on Trump to resign, and one GOP congressman says he is strongly considering voting to impeach Trump. But Carolina, as things get ready on Capitol Hill to impeach the president, Trump called the efforts by House Democrats a witch hunt. The president made those comments as he was leaving the White House to travel to Alamo, Texas, where he plans to tour the border wall. Take a listen. 
on the impeachment. It's really a continuation of the greatest witch hunt in the history of politics. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. This impeachment is causing tremendous anger, and you're doing it, and it's really a terrible thing that they're doing. For Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer to continue on this path, I think it's causing tremendous danger to our country, and it's causing tremendous anger. I want no violence. The president also avoiding all responsibility for what happened on Capitol Hill. He said that his remarks to supporters last week were totally appropriate and even told in private the House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy that it was Antifa who stormed the Capitol. Some Capitol Hill Democrats say it will be possible to hold an impeachment trial without slowing down the start of the new Biden administration. But Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says he does not plan on bringing the chamber back from recess until January 19th, meaning the impeachment trial would begin at the start of Biden's term. Live in Washington, D.C., Carolina, back to you. Thank you for the live report, Edwin Pitti. Now some companies are splitting with Republicans over their objection to President-elect Joe Biden's win. American Express, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Commerce Bank, Dow and Marriott are amongst the list of corporations suspending donations to some GOP Congress members. 147 Republicans voted against the ceremonial counting of Electoral College's votes last week. They included Senators Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, Roger Marshalls, and Tommy Tuberville. Other companies have opted to suspend donations to all politicians, regardless of how they voted. And Hallmark says, they wanted donations to Republican Senators Josh Hawley and Roger Marshall back. And with fallout continuing, President Trump's attorney Rudy Giuliani is facing the prospect of being kicked out of the New York State Bar Association. On Monday, the association opened an inquiry into removing Giuliani from its membership. The organization says Giuliani has helped to fire up a mob of Trump supporters before they stormed the U.S. Capitol last week. Giuliani told them at a rally before the incident to have, quote, Trial by combat. If Giuliani is expelled from the group, he would not be disbarred, so he would still be able to represent Trump in its future legal proceedings. More of you news after the short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. The Senate will turn itself into a courtroom. The private border fence is being installed. A police officer and three people were killed inside a Jewish supermarket in Jersey City. You News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. You News on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. And welcome back to You News. The Trump administration changing course on vaccination rollout plans, now agreeing with President-elect Joe Biden's plan to release all doses that are being reserved for a second shot. This as states and cities try to change their strategy in order to make the vaccine more easily accessible. Lorraine Casares has the latest. 
The U.S. for the past week averaging more than 3,000 deaths a day and the percent positivity topping 10 percent in 32 states. The World Health Organization warning that even as the vaccine becomes available in more countries, herd immunity is still far from a reality and social distancing measures will have to stay in place throughout the year. I call for a collective commitment so that within the next 100 days, vaccination for health workers and those at high risk in all countries are underway. Governments, manufacturers, civil society, religious and community leaders must come together to create the greatest mass mobilization in history for equitable vaccination. In the U.S. so far, the CDC reports more than 25 million doses of the vaccine have been distributed, but so far only 9 million have been administered. Operation Warp Speed announcing sweeping changes to help boost the vaccine rollout. The president now releasing reserved second doses, a plan President-elect Joe Biden had already announced last week he would do as soon as being inaugurated. We had been holding back second doses as a safety stock. We now believe that our manufacturing is predictable enough that we can ensure second doses are available for people from ongoing production. Meanwhile, cities and states modifying their vaccination strategies as appointments become impossible to schedule. New York City now operating 24-7 vaccination centers. We feel very good about that goal. We feel very good about our goal to vaccinate a million people in the course of the month of January. On the West Coast, controversy in Los Angeles. The school district coming under fire after announcing all children will be required to take the vaccine before returning to in-person classes. The superintendent saying it would be no difference than getting the measles and mumps vaccines already required. Thank you, Rafa, for that report. And in other vaccine news, the president-elect Joe Biden just received his second dose of his coronavirus vaccine. Joe Biden was given his second shot on Monday in Delaware. That means he's now fully vaccinated against COVID-19. The Pfizer biotech vaccine that Biden received is considered about 90% effective. And Chief Justice John Roberts has also received both doses of the COVID vaccine. It is unclear exactly when he was vaccinated. The Supreme Court's public information officer released the information while answering questions from CNN about precautions to prevent exposure to the virus. Most of the nine justices are hearing arguments via teleconference and working from home. Supreme Court justices and members of Congress were amongst the first recipients of the vaccine in mid December. And it is looking like the Moderna vaccine appears to give people at least a year's worth of protection from COVID-19. That's according to the company's chief medical officer. Vaccines from Moderna and Pfizer were both granted emergency use authorization from the Food and Drug Administration. And representatives from Moderna say they are testing to see if a third dose of the vaccine will result in longer protection. Thanks for listening to U News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow U News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.